Jesus. Hallelujah. If we can just give God glory right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're worthy. God, you're awesome. God, there is nobody like you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord, everybody. Again, thank God for being here tonight. Thank God for our pastor giving us this opportunity tonight. And thank God for this church. Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to talk about there is power in our sound. When I say sound, I'm talking about what comes from our mouth when we release it to God. So sound was first recorded in the book of Genesis, chapter number one, I believe, uh, where the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the, of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Hallelujah. I believe God first released a sound there so that we can release a sound. Hallelujah. Because when God released a sound, something happened. He spoke and something happened. Hallelujah. And what I want to dive into tonight is, is first of all, I want to go to, to when in the book of Joshua, God encouraged Joshua to be of good courage several times. And so um, as he began to, to encourage him um, in the book of Joshua chapter number six, the Bible says, verse number 16, and when it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priest blew, the, blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto, unto the people, shout, for the Lord has given us the city. And when they shouted, it tore down Jericho walls. Hallelujah. And I just believe within myself that when we release a sound, that can tear down our strongholds and it can, it can tear down the things that, that, keep, that keeps us bound or the things that's keeping us down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then I want to go to another account in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, I'm sorry, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the, all the house where they were sitting. Hallelujah. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling among, there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this noise was abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in their own language. I believe on that day, on the day of Pentecost, hallelujah, that when they released their sound, those men heard them and it did something for them. And on that same day, many souls were added to the church. 
Hallelujah. And I just believe that if we release our sound into the earth, that people will hear. And when they hear it, hallelujah, they will they will then come in and then they will worship with us and then they will be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I just believe that we have to release our sound into the earth so that so that God can do something for people in the world. Now, I look back when when the pandemic first started and and we had the opportunity to speak to the church and when this is when we were doing the virtual service and I said something that that is very important because a lot of times we get caught up in what's going on in the in the world and and for a while there was a big fear over the entire world and which I felt like at the time was creeping into the church and we got fearful and and different things like that. But I, I just believe that if we humble ourselves and we pray and we seek God's face in this time, people will come to church to be free and be set free. But we first have to release our sound into the earth. And we have to continually release our sound into the earth. Because if we don't release our sound, I feel like people won't be saved. We have to release our sound into the earth. Hallelujah. That's why I believe in, in prayer service and, and praying unto God and releasing a sound in prayer service because it can do something for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just do that right now? Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. God, we release our sound right now. God, we give you glory. God, we give you honor. Hallelujah. God, you are worthy. Oh, God, we thank you right now. Oh, God, we thank you for setting us free. Hallelujah. We thank you for lifting us up, God, and filling us with your spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I think about another person, I didn't actually get the scripture, the blind man who cried out for Jesus. Hallelujah. He, he released his sound. And I believe when he released his sound, the people were trying to make him be quiet, but, but, God, but he got louder. Hallelujah. And God freed him, and God set him free and allowed him to see. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I just believe that when we release our sound again, God can set us free from things like that, you know. I just want to testify as my last point, hallelujah, that um, we got COVID back in November of last year. I think that's right. And for years, I was pre-diabetic. I knew it, but for years, I was pre-diabetic. And when I got COVID, it kind of pushed me over because, of course, I was drinking orange juice getting into a bunch of other sweets and stuff like that. God bless you. So, um, so it pushed me over into being diabetic. So in January, I started feeling a little sick after having COVID, of course. I started feeling a little sick, and I told my wife, I said, something is not right. You know, I'm, I'm going to the bathroom every five minutes. Something is wrong. I looked on Google, worst thing to do. Please, Brother Google can't help you out. Hallelujah. So um, I searched on Google, and it said, you probably want to check with your doctor because it's, it could be signs of diabetes. So I called my mom, 
because we know our moms know best. So um, I called my mom, and when I called her, um, I said, Mom, like something is wrong, I'm going to the bathroom constantly. And she said, well, don't think of anything bad. You know, you, you're probably okay. You're probably just drinking a lot of water and have to go. I said, okay. And so I checked my blood sugar that same night. It was 462. I'll never forget that. It was 462, and I felt terrible. And I said, God, I, I have to get a handle on this. And I, and I started taking out time, and I went to the doctor, and I found out, you know, my A1C level was like 12, so which is pretty high. You're automatic diabetic because they want your numbers to be below a 6 or something like that. So um, I changed the way I started. I, I started to change the way I eat, and I started to, to walk a little bit. And I told God, I said, God, if you can help me out of this, you know, if you could do this for me, I promise I, I will, I'll be dedicated to doing this. I'll be dedicated to working out, I'll be dedicated to, to eating right and different things like that. And when I released my sound that day, I just believed with everything that was in me, I believed that God was going to set me free from that. Hallelujah. And from January to April, I went from a 12 about a 6.5, which is still pre-diabetic, you know, and I thank God for that because that day I honestly released a sound, and from that day forth, God looked out for me, you know, and God set me free. Hallelujah, and I believe if we just continue to release our sound how we're supposed to do, our sound is greater than anything on the earth because we have the almighty God living on the inside of us, and when we release our sound, God can bless people in the earth. God can bless us, and God can set other people free. Hallelujah. Can we just worship right there? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, mighty is your name, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we give you glory. Can we just stand and worship him right now? He deserves all the glory and all the honor. Hallelujah. We ought to continue to lift our sound up in the earth. Oh, God, if he is lifted up, hallelujah, he will draw all men unto thee. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's it, church. Let's continue in that for just a moment. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your spoken word, oh God. We thank you for your utterance, oh God. We thank you for everything you're doing, oh God. You are the God of all creation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, there is a lot of power in what Brother Chris just talked about. Because God is the God of all creation. He created every single one of our bodies. He knows our ending from our beginning. And he knew about it before we were ever created. And so, Brother Chris, you're so right. In those moments when we find ourselves in our darkest hours and we begin to cry out to God, God does something. And when the blind see and the deaf hear and the mute sing, 
what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing we get to experience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. You guys can be seated. I want to start off, I want to say thank you to Pastor Anthony for giving both of us the opportunity to speak tonight. I thank God for giving us the word, and I thank God for ultimately the calling that he has on us. I have a very special thank you in the congregation tonight. I would like to give thanks and honor to my wife. Hallelujah. Woo! My wife. Amen. Amen. The altars are open. Let's come on that. Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And to all you men out there, I'm just going to apologize because I got the best one. Amen. I want to talk to us about, I want to talk to us about direction. I want to talk to us about what happens after we cry out. Because God does something amazing and if we're not careful, we'll get literally stuck at the beginning. Because so many times we come to church and we say, God, I want my breakthrough. I want my breakthrough. For the one who's stepping into the church for the very first time, looking for an answer, the breakthrough is the biggest thing on that person's mind. And for those of us who weren't brought up in this and who came into church as an adult, when you've tried everything else and you come into the congregation for the very first time and you hear the preached word of God and you get to respond and you get that breakthrough, it is the biggest thing. But it's not the end. It's not the ending. And I'm so thankful for everything that God has been doing in our church, in our lives. So many people have been coming to God recently and we're so thankful but there's got to be a direction for what happens after the water. There has to be a direction on what happens after the breakthrough. So, we got any sports fans in here? Yeah, a few of us? Yeah. I know there's a few of us that, uh, a lot of us came from the Southeast, and the Southeastern Conference in college football is pretty dominant. And so we get to, we get to bicker a lot, and I love it. There's fans from all over the Southeastern Conference, and it's great. So the analogy that I'm going to have tonight is going to be a football analogy. So if you like football, you'll follow along. If you're not, if you have no clue what a football is, that's okay. We're going to show you at the end. Don't worry, Pastor, I'm not going to actually throw a football in the congregation. It's going to be okay. I want to read a scripture, and then I'm going to give the analogy. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're talking about the breakaway. Amen. The greatest running backs of all time are characterized by a few elements. There's something special about their talent. There's something special about their abilities. They seem to be able to go far above and beyond what the normal person can do. Now, how many of us think that we would be able to run through four or five guys that are all well over six foot tall, weighing an average of 300 pounds with no problem? <laughs> There's a few of us that, that might be willing to try. Try is the operative word there. So to be able to break through a defensive line, that's already got to be a phenomenal feat. Because I guarantee you, most of us who would try that would bounce back about six or seven yards. And they'd just stand there. So they have this unique ability to be able to break through that line. But the greatest running backs aren't characterized by their ability to break through that defensive line. Because if they simply break through that line and they stop on the other side, you're going to get laid out. <laughs> There's more to it. You can't just stop in the initial breakthrough. For those who try, their career is going to be cut short because you're only going to average a couple of yards. You might have a big breakout every now and then, but you're really not going to go anywhere. And when you stop just on the other side, there's always going to be a guy called a linebacker. He's there to back up the line. And when you get through his line, his job is to put you out of the game. So, it can't just be about the initial breakthrough. Turn to your neighbor again and say, we're talking about the breakaway. The greatest running backs, when we look at their careers, they have the ability to see what's coming down the field and to be able to use their teammates to know which direction to go, and they can plan how they're going to run all the way down the field from the moment they take their first few steps. That's talent. That's an ability. But it takes skill. Brother Chris was talking about being able to discipline his body and make changes and that's something, Paul, that, that's something Paul says is critical to our walk. He says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself will be made a fool. So he talks about disciplining the body. You're not going to be able to break through a line and then break away from that linebacker and break away from the next person and get downfield if you're not disciplining your body. So what do we have to do? There's a few things. Everyone that, uh, that was given a sticky note, if you don't mind, stand up and just make your way down to the front. If you have a yellow sticky note, come on to my right side, your left. If you have a red sticky note, 
come on down to my left, your right. All right. So we're going to do a little analogy here. All right. So yellow sticky notes, you guys are the offense. You're the good guys. You're the Auburn Tigers. These guys over here, they're the bad guys. They're the Alabama Redwater. We'll call them the Redwater. So here's how we're going to line up. Who got the sticky note that says running back? That's right. The world's tallest running back. All right, so you're going to stand right over here, okay? And you're going to face downfield, all right? You're going to look towards pastor, all right? You're going to look towards the shepherd, all right? Now, two of you with a yellow sticky note, you guys are going to be the offensive line. Who has faith? Who has faith? Brother Tim, reliving the glory days. You got to have faith. Who has obedience? Brother Ron, reliving the glory days. All right. So, our running back's first line of defense is the offensive line. All right? We've got faith and obedience. Brother Chris talked about this one too on the day of Pentecost. Just after everyone was speaking in tongues and the Spirit was poured out, everything went outside and people heard from around and they came and they were pricked in their hearts in Peter's sermon and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them in Acts 2 and 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He gave a command. You've got to have that obedience. But that obedience doesn't come without first having faith. Scripture declares that whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, whoever shall believe, they shall be saved. But you cannot have faith alone. Faith without works is dead. And James says, I will show you my faith by my works. So it takes something that we have to do. So faith and obedience go hand in hand. Brother Caleb will never get to the other side if he doesn't first start with faith and obedience. So across from faith and obedience, we're going to have sin and death. So who has sin and who has death? All right. We got the defensive line. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Yeah, get up on them. Come on. All right. All right, here we go. All right, calm down, calm down, calm down. All right. Pastor's never going to let me preach again. So we have faith and obedience in line to defeat death and sin. This is the starting point. This is the point when we first come in, God changes our life, we're living in the most wonderful time of our lives, but it doesn't stop there. How far does Caleb have to go to get to the other side? He's deep in his own red zone. He's got the ball. It's in his hands. 
but he's got to get down to the other side if he wants to win. So what we have down at this end, this is your calling. This is your purpose. This end zone down here that Brother Caleb has to try to get to is his future. This is everything that God wants him to do. There are people all over this sanctuary right now where you have a purpose. You have a purpose to preach a sermon. You have a purpose to teach a Bible study. You have a purpose to win someone to God. But what do you have in front of you to get through? You've got sin and death. But you come to faith with obedience. And what happens? Brother Tim, Brother Ron, you just want to go on ahead and put them on the ground somehow. You know, just, yeah, go on ahead. Get off to the side. You, sin and death have no chance over faith and obedience. That's right. So, Brother Caleb... Go on ahead and break through that line of scrimmage. Boom. Defensive guys are just laid out. Pastor Elijah just sat down. He knows he's got no chance. All right, so come just a little bit farther. All right? Now stop. Because in front of you, now you have pride and lust and lies. Face to face. Who has pride, lust, and lies? Go on ahead. So what do you do? Pride, lust, and lies. These are the silent killers that get us after the water. Because when we come to Christ, we believe we are now in the greatest thing. And sometimes we struggle when we believe we have become the greatest thing. And so we're faced with pride. Now, the enemy can't get us with what he used to get us with. So lust creeps in to distract you, to get you off course. And now, with the struggles, you can't possibly be honest. So you lie about it, hoping you'll save your image. All back to pride. So what's the answer? Accountability steps up. And when you have accountability, that accountability can go before you and go on ahead and knock that defender out of the way. And it's that easy because when you're living for God, the enemy cannot gain a foothold. So he literally comes up and with this pinky, boop, take that, Satan. So accountability, we've taken the next step. Now we can push through a little bit farther. But what happens next? Next, we have anger and bitterness. Because now, maybe someone didn't talk to us at church. Maybe we didn't get the job that we wanted. Maybe one of our friends got promoted over us. Maybe life happens. And so angerness or anger and bitterness begin to set in. So you had anger and bitterness. Go on ahead and step up to him. Get a little closer. It's okay. It's okay. 
well, he's not going to defeat it. There's got to be another element. But Satan gets the picture. At this point, Satan knows what's coming. Here comes submission. Here comes submission. Submission is the breaking point. Submission happens when everything we thought we wanted, everything we thought we needed, everything we pictured our calling and our purpose and our mission and our giftings to be. And we lay it down at the foot of the cross. And it doesn't matter if you spent 5, 10, 15 years studying, developing, learning, and growing, sacrificing. Because you didn't do any of that. I didn't do anything. But it's God who lifts you up. It's God who sets your footsteps in motion. It's God who opens up the door. It's God who places things in front of you. It's God who relieves you. It's God who redeems you. And it's God who protects you. So, Brother Caleb, when you're taking your next steps and you're working through the pride and the lust and the lies, because they will attack you, they will come at you, You've got to start with that accountability. When someone's coming in, you've got to start to build that network. You've got to find the people that you can trust. You've got to establish that accountability in your life. And then when the angerness and the bitterness comes in and faces you, you've got to find submission. Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 20, verse 18 referring to himself as the rock. He says, whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him into powder. So, Brother Caleb, you've got the choice. Do you fall forward, and do you win that victory, or do you stutter? Does he get pushed back and fall on you and you lose your ground? You've got to submit. So go on ahead and help Brother Chris in front of you. Help push that submission along and keep pushing and keep pushing. And it falls away and that submission carries you into your calling, into your purpose, into everything that you knew God had for you. Now, thank you, men. Thank you. I know we had different men up here representing different things. But the reality is, every single man up here represented something that is already within yourself. When we talk about the accountability, it's on you to reach out. No one can be accountable for you. 
You have to want it. You have to will it. Without that accountability, you get stopped way back here. And there are so many people who have stopped here because they had to make a choice and they weren't willing to make it. And they're no longer in this building today because they stopped. But maybe you establish the accountability and maybe you get to the point where you think, I've done enough. But then when anger sets in and when bitterness sets in, because it will, there is not a single person here who is above the struggle. It happens to each of us. So when it happens, will you get stopped? Or will you listen to the man of God in your life? Will you be stopped or will you push on? Will you call on those accountability partners and link arms with them and help them help you through? We have the choice. Now, I don't want this to be something where we're like, Phew, this is tough. But what I do want us to realize is that we have the choice. And God has already set everything in motion for us to get from that initial point all the way through to our calling into our purpose. So all we have to do is respond. If we could all stand. I want us to go on ahead and, and if you feel led... I want you to go ahead and come forward. Because what happens in these moments is it's not simply about making the choice when that thing hits you. If we wait to make the choice until the pride and lust and lies are in our face, We've waited too long. Maybe we've won that victory. Maybe we're pushing through. But if we wait until the anger and the bitterness hits us in the face, we've waited too long. Paul asked the question, so what then? Do we go on sinning so that hopefully grace can abound? No. We make the decision. And Paul said it again, but I discipline my body. That means I prepare. That means even though it may not be in front of me right now, I'm looking on. I'm looking forward. I know that I'm human. I don't expect to be perfect, so I've got to prepare. So the reality is, no matter what stage you're in, Every single one of us has something to prepare for. So that leads us to this moment. Go on ahead. Let's close our eyes. Let's raise our hands. And I believe that right now God is going to speak something very specifically into your heart and into your mind. Something to prepare for. Something to acknowledge. Something to own. 
something to bring to him and let it go. Would you respond? Hallelujah, Jesus.